Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to In All Honesty, the podcast where you get the honest answers you didn't know you needed. I'm Michelle Elman, and I'm a five-board accredited life coach, and I use my experience from this to answer all the questions that have been on your mind lately. This week we are talking about life changes. Wow, this has been a year for a lot of changes to be taking place. I think every single person in the world in the last year, or actually it's almost been two years, has undergone massive life changes within this pandemic, whether it's working from home, adjusting to more alone time, changes in our lifestyle... And some have been good where we've realised actually we do like this slower pace, I'm one of those people, to changes that have just been awful, like this constant health anxiety, this hesitation at even hugging people, the deprivation that comes from not touching humans and that's something humans so need to be at their best. And for some, I know I definitely went through this, the extreme isolation that no matter how good you are at being alone, definitely affects your mental health. I think at one point I didn't see a human I actually knew for about two months, maybe three months, and yeah, that had an effect on my mental health. And actually, I think I got to the point where I convinced myself it didn't until I actually saw a friend and went, oh, this isn't the same as FaceTime. (laughs) Good to know, good to remember. Changes are difficult, but as I always say, I actually might have said this on the podcast before, but I'm going to say it again. The podcast now officially has got too many episodes that I don't know what I've already said, but I'm just going to take it to mean that you might need to hear something twice in order for it to resonate. And sometimes it's about hearing the right thing in the right moment, so I'm going to say it anyway. The life change and the adjustment to the change is two different things. The adjustment to the change is harder than living in the change state. So going through a breakup is harder than being single, but sometimes we go through a breakup and we go, single life is awful. No, it's not. Going through a breakup is awful. That is the awful part. That is the thing you are adjusting to. It's the adjustment that's difficult. But being single, there's no issue with that part of it. You just haven't got used to it. It's the actual change and the adjustment that is tough, not your new life. Same with weight. You gain a size and you think, oh, being a size 20 is awful. No, being a size 20 isn't awful, but going from a size 16 to a size 20 
can be awful, can be an adjustment, especially when you have people noticing that change that you are adjusting to yourself or when the world makes it easier for coupled people or makes it easier for smaller sized people, makes it easier for a size 16. I mean, personally, when I went from a size 16 to 20, and that was very gradually over five years, the world makes it more difficult just in the reduction of clothing options and the reduction in the number of brands that create your size. But that's not actually because living in a size 20 body is awful and ugly and unhealthy, but because the world is less accepting of a size 20 body. But that's not my stuff, that's the world's stuff, so we're not going to internalise it. Same with the single thing, being a single person in a pandemic was awful. The government especially forgot about us for months. I mean, how long did it take for the government to realise that there were some people who were single and living alone and literally not seeing a single person before they came up with the idea of social bubbles? Why? Because most politicians are old and married and men who don't think about single women living alone. So it's important to allow yourself the adjustment process and not conflate that with that new you and that it will bring up lots of feelings, whether that's grief of your old life or any sort of loss, to be honest, that you're going through. So that could be the loss of the relationship or the loss of your old body. It could also bring up fear and unstableness and that can make everything a little bit harder. So let's get into the questions and see what is all on our minds at the moment. A reminder that this topic was only actually chosen and only exists because three people decided to send a voice note on the exact same topic. So if you want a topic that I haven't covered yet, that's the way to do it. Hi Michelle, my name is Emma and I have a question about friendships and how to know where to set the bar when it comes to standards and expectations. This involves some context. I struggled with disordered eating for about four years, and during that time, I was really insecure and out of touch with myself and constantly disregarded what I wanted, including who I wanted to spend time with. Intuitive eating in the past few months has not only helped me when it comes to food, but also with listening to myself in all areas of my life. I'm noticing these aspects about my friends and our friendship that I just pushed to the side before when I was a people pleaser and generally not myself. But now that I'm feeling more empowered to listen to myself and go after what I want, I'm questioning how much I actually want to be around the friends I have. For example, they make me laugh a lot and have been good friends to me, but we don't agree on essential things like how we want to spend time. And there are other patterns I'm noticing about their attitudes and behaviors that I really don't like. So I'm facing new questions like, how much do I have to like a person in order to stay friends with them? In all this empowerment, I'm worried that I'll swing too far to the other end of the spectrum and become a friendship snob where I expect too much out of people and might be too quick to cut them out or disregard them as potential friends. What are your suggestions for evaluating friendships and compromising versus holding out for only the people I really like the best? Thanks so much. Your podcasts and social media posts have made a huge difference in the way I live my life. Hey, Emma. God, I relate to this so heavily. This phase in my life came after boundaries entered my life in 2015. And I just looked around at my entire life, every person who was in it, and just kept thinking, why are we friends? This is totally understandable given what you've gone through. So you'll know this because you went through it. But just to explain it and to give it context for everyone else... If you have gone through an eating disorder, or to be honest, it doesn't have to be that, it could be trauma or anything that makes you feel unsafe in your body, 
what ends up happening is you disassociate from your body or in other words you lose your connection to your body so this is the kind of people who when I say feel your anger in your body they will have a lot of difficulty telling me where they can find it in their body because they're not connected to their body So what is happening when you're learning intuitive eating is you learn to listen to your hunger and in turn listen to your body and so not only will that raise your awareness of your hunger signal but it will also increase that feeling of that slightly funny feeling you get when a friend makes that sarcastic comment that you used to just laugh at but suddenly feels like quite an edge to it and it's the first time you notice oh that funny feeling is in my stomach and Oh, it's not a funny feeling. That's actually just her. And it kind of just feels like someone's stabbing a knife into me. And why did I never notice this before? The other element of this is when you go through something like an eating disorder, or in my case, PTSD and medical trauma, you tend to attract people where the dynamic depends on you being the one that needs fixing or being the broken one. And of course, you were never broken. You never needed fixing. But that was the perception in the other people in your life because you might find a number of your friendships had a one-up, one-down dynamic and you may have even attracted people with a saviour complex who always felt like they needed to swoop in and save you. But what happens when you aren't a fuck-up, you aren't a mess and the person who always needed saving can save herself? Well, they no longer feel that they are needed and sometimes if they aren't self-aware unconsciously, they can sometimes drag you back to your past because you changing makes them aware of the fact that they can change too. And that's an uncomfortable realisation because they've now lost that one up, one down dynamic. The other dynamic is you might have a lot of people who were also in a messy place in their life. We all have gone through a messy place, but we bond to people who are also feeling the same. But sometimes when you start to grow and you come out of that place, the other person wants to drag you back down because that was the only thing left to bond you to. So I'm not going to lie, it is quite unrealistic to go through this massive, amazing transformation that you're going through and not to lose a single friend along the way. But I understand why you're worried about going too extreme. So let's address that first. The way you don't get too extreme is you don't need every friend to agree with you. You also don't need every friend to enjoy doing what you are doing And you don't need to cut everyone out. You can just distance and see them less rather than not at all. The key way is to get clear on your values in friendship. So get a piece of paper and write down every value that is important to you that you look for in a friend. Then look at that list, pick the top eight and put them in order. Now go back to that list with each of your friends. So for example, my top four are understanding. So that's understanding me, emotional intelligence, trust and loyalty. And I am going to differentiate between trust and loyalty because they are two different things in my world, but they might not be in your world. So trust means doing as you say and saying as you do and following through on your actions. Loyalty is more that you just keep things that I've said private, and when I'm not in the room and someone's talking badly about me, you still stand up for me. It doesn't matter if your definitions differ, mine are not right and yours are not wrong, but the reason I share this is because you may look at the list and think, but those two words are the same, and sometimes they look similar, but they are not the same. So if a friend was loyal and I could trust them, they understood me, but weren't emotional intelligence, 
chances are you are going to be staying in my life because you've got three out of four of my top criteria in a friend. So even if they like going clubbing and I'm not into clubbing anymore, even if they have beliefs that don't quite align with mine, those values are still being met. In the part where you said you don't like some of their attitudes and behaviours, this is also helpful because let's say you go out on a night out and the whole group wants to leave but you notice one friend is missing and you say to them that they are missing and we should go back and look for them and they just can't be bothered and are just like, ah, they'll be fine. This would massively throw into question my trust of them. Because even though you're not doing it to me, I wouldn't want this done to me. If I'm going out with my friends, of course I am responsible for myself. But I'd also like to think my group would also care about my safety. And that's where these values are useful to know. So now that I've addressed your worry about being too extreme, let's return to the original question. Your original statement suggests to me that you don't want to just distance. You do want to just end a few friendships. And because you said they have been friends with you for a while, it makes me question if you've had the thought in your head that you should stay in these friendships because these people were good friends to me. And to that, I say, people don't have to be a bad person in order for your friendship to not be working anymore. Also, is there a little bit of guilt there that you feel like you owe them for the years of friendship they were a good friend to you? In which case, remind yourself that in the years they were a good friend to you, you were also a good friend to them. So you don't owe them anything. Your debt was repaid during the friendship. Whether you choose to end it or distance, it's okay if you're growing apart and sometimes this just happens and sometimes you actually grow back together. Right after I set boundaries, I distanced myself from a school friendship group. I changed the way I interacted so I started going to -to one-to-one dinners with just two of them but I distanced from the other three and only really saw them at parties. One of those three people was someone who used to be my best friend. I'm talking we went to Japan for a month, just the two of us, best friend. And yet we didn't go for a dinner for maybe about two years. But there was no issue between us. I still loved her to bits, but we were just moving in different directions. And then one night we found ourselves on a sofa in the corner of a house party catching up. And now we're back to being super close. She did her own thing. I did my own thing. And we were just growing in different paces. But we reached a point in our life where we'd both grown into the same place. So just because you're saying goodbye to them for the moment doesn't mean you're saying goodbye forever. So now you know how to listen to your body. You don't actually need to make absolute decisions about this. Instead, when you get invited to something or one of your friends asks you to go for lunch together, just check in with your body. Does it feel good? Are you excited? Do you actually want to go? And then just say yes or no based on whatever your body is telling you and then go from there. The one other thing I would add is when you cut people out or you distance, you do create more room in your life for new people to enter. And when you've gone through a life change, especially such a positive one, that sometimes it can be really helpful to have different people who aren't defining you by your past self and give you permission to be that new self that you are and empower you in how you are right now. And that's okay. It doesn't mean the love or the appreciation for the people who supported you in the past was lost. It just means that sometimes it's easier to become that new person when you aren't constantly being reminded of that old person. They helped you get where you were today and so you can also love them from afar and find new people. 
I hope that helps and well done on doing the hard work to get to where you are today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This week in Dissecting Dysfunctional Conversations, we are talking scandal. Every week I dissect dysfunctional conversations that I see on TV and we use it as an opportunity to improve our own communication. So this one actually is not a show I am currently watching. I watched it way back when, when it actually aired and it finished in 2018. Don't worry, I'm not actually that much of a TV show expert. I did actually have to Google that before hitting record. Scandal was a show I loved and it's some of the best writing on TV. And you know what? I'm usually really sad when a show ends, but Shonda Rhimes, the creator and writer of Scandal, but also Grey's Anatomy and How to Get Away with Murder and many other amazing shows like Bridgerton, always knew there was going to be a limited time span for Scandal just because of what the story is and that it couldn't be a forever show that goes on for seasons and seasons. So she did the right thing in giving it a good ending did the most you could with the show and then ended it but it still stands to be a show that has some of the best writing so this is not going to be a dysfunctional conversation even though there are many dysfunctional relationships within Scandal but instead the reason why I was reminded of it was because a clip of the show came up on my TikTok newsfeed I was like, oh my god, yes, it's the scene where Olivia, the main character, is done being messed around by the president, the guy she is seeing. There are points they are in secret because he is married, it's a messy relationship, but she is done being messed around. And she says, I am not a toy you can play with when you're bored, lonely or horny. I am not the girl the guy gets at the end of the movie. I am not a fantasy. If you want me, earn me. Until then, we are done. 
Just for context, how this scene happens is he demands she comes to the White House. She said she is busy, but he is also the president. So he calls her under that guise that it's work and demands that she comes. And then she discovers when she comes that he just called her to the White House to say that he wants her. And she's furious because she says, you can't just act like I'm at your beck and call, like you are the only person who is important. And then he says he loves her and wants her. And she says, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep getting my hopes up. So as much as it comes out strong and fierce, you can tell she's getting hurt by this back and forth. And also, I love the idea of you can be the damn president, but my world still does not revolve around you. And I feel like I've actually heard Michelle Obama talk about this. Like, yes, you are the most important man in America, but you can't act like that at home because you may be important, but you can't be the only important thing for a relationship to work. This is brilliant boundary setting. And even before Olivia said these lines, the number of times people would ask, but why does he text me if he doesn't actually want to go on a date with me? Or... But why does he text me at 3am and like my Instagram pictures but won't actually ask me how my day was? And I've replied for years saying, bored, horny, lonely or drunk. It's harsh, but it's true. Stop reading into bare minimum behaviour as effort and reading into it as something more than it actually is. The main reason I think this clip made me stop, other than how amazing it is, is because I had just scrolled through this clip as I had just told a guy something similar. So in my, what, three years of dating multiple guys at the same time, I have only ever had three people ever have an issue with me dating multiple guys. The first was understandable. It was after a number of dates and he actually wanted us to be exclusive. I did dump the other guy and we did end up being exclusive for quite a while, actually. The second guy, I actually told this story on someone else's podcast recently, but here's the full picture because I couldn't actually tell her the ending because the ending hadn't happened yet. But the second guy, he had seen on my Instagram stories that I was going to go on a first date the same week we were going on a first date and that I was actually cancelling that date. And so he messaged me saying, how many dates are you going on next week? And I just said to him, well, only one. And he was like, well, you're only going on one because you cancelled the other one. And I was like, yeah, but you know his date was actually planned before our date. And so it wouldn't really have been fair to cancel on him just because I liked you as well. He asked me if I could stop dating other people. So I considered and realistically, it was only two days until our first date. I wasn't in London at the time. So there would be zero chance of me going on another date anyway. And I appreciated that he communicated his boundaries with me. But I was also aware that I was making an exception to my rule and compromising on something I don't usually compromise on. Because to be honest, it's a bit of a red flag that you have a sense of ownership and we haven't even gone on a first date. So I asked him if he was going to go on any other dates next week and he said that the moment I gave him my number he had stopped swiping. So I thought it was fair, I thought it was mutual. So I stopped swiping for two days and just gave it a chance. How it actually worked out and what I couldn't say on that other person's podcast is he ended up cancelling the day of because he thought he had COVID. And before any of you say, well, you're just being harsh and he could actually be ill... Well, he hadn't messaged since and he had never rescheduled and actually I shouldn't have made an exception to my rule and the fact he was weird about that meant I definitely shouldn't have budged on my boundary. So you live and learn and so with the next guy, the third guy who had an issue with it, I stuck to my boundary because I'd learnt from the second time and I said, you want to be the only guy I date? Great, earn it. 
And then a couple hours later, this exact clip came up. That was a bit of a long story, but I wanted to share it with you and show you I'm not perfect either. Dating and communication is never going to be clear cut. It's okay to try something new, see if it works. In my case, it didn't. And if it doesn't, then just do better next time. We don't have to self-blame. You don't need to punish yourself because you should have seen it coming. Or in Olivia's case, she's not punishing herself because she was being messed around for however long she was. She's setting her limit now because now is the point it's bothering her. So in summary, notice the effort someone is making. It is a warning sign when they are making bare minimum effort but want maximum commitment, which is exactly what the president is doing in this scene. They want to keep you as an option without treating you like a priority. Hi Michelle, I want to talk about two of the topics that you mentioned, um, changes and failure. So basically I've constantly been having this fear for the past two years um regarding like um what to expect in the future like the changes because um i'm like really terrified of what to expect because um as like i grow older like i see like like my family and everything and i'm just like scared because i don't know what to expect and a lot of the responsibilities and the commitments that i'm going to be given as, as i like reach adulthood i'm just like genuinely scared like i'll be unable to like com- like do like fulfill them and like i'll be unable to like like it, I, I won't have enough resources to complete them or anything like that. And, like, it's constantly been, like, a worry for me. So I just wanted to know your input regarding this issue. And I really appreciate you listening to me. Much loves to you, Michelle. My name's Priya, and I hope you'll help me. Thank you. Hey, Priya, thank you so much for your question. You are putting a lot on your plate. You're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. And how are you not exhausted? If I was worrying about every problem in the future, I would never get anything done. So my advice to you is threefold. My first tip is, because it sounds like you're spending a lot of time in the future, you need to be spending more time in the present. Some people call this mindfulness, but as most of you know, I hate labels, it complicates things, and then you just have to explain the label, so you might as well just do away with the label to begin with. So I'm just going to say, spend more time in the present. How you can practically do this is I want you to spend the first five minutes of every morning and yes, that might mean you have to set your alarm five minutes earlier, but spend the first five minutes every morning just breathing, focusing in on your breath. Don't force your thoughts to go anywhere or to stop or the moment a thought goes into your head and you notice, return your attention to your breath. Breathe in your nose for four seconds, hold it for four seconds and breathe out for eight seconds. If you're counting this in your head, then it makes it harder for your thoughts to drift. You don't have to do this in silence, by the way. Put on a song that you love and look at how long the song is and maybe decide to do this for the length of the song every day for a week. And then next week, you can do the length of two songs. Not only by becoming more present will you stop anxiety because you have to think about the future in order to create fear in the future, which is actually what anxiety is, but also it will teach your brain that it doesn't always have to be thinking, that you are allowed to have silence in your brain and silence in your brain is actually a beautiful and amazing thing that allows you to just get on with what you're doing. The second thing I want to tell you is that you will have time to worry about these things when they are actually happening. You don't have to pre-worry. You don't have to worry in advance because there's always enough time in adulthood 
when the responsibilities actually come in to worry about each responsibility and worry if you're ready enough or grown up enough but worrying about it in advance is just taking away from your enjoyment of the stage of life you are currently in and that means you won't appreciate the good things that come from your phase in life whether it's the lack of responsibility I know for me in university I made a conscious effort to really enjoy those lack of responsibilities in school not so much because I always felt like a really heavy pressure to get good grades in school but in university I was like these are my last three years of freedom my only goal in these three years was to enjoy myself have fun and say yes to every wild or silly adventure that drops into my life so I was always on road trips I remember one day I was meant to be revising for exams and I ended up on a beach instead because why not and I'm so thankful that I now have those memories so anytime one of those thoughts crop up just tell yourself we can worry about that later the third thing I want to tell you is that you should read the book Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. The author talks about this concept a lot better than I will, but it's not the fact that you will always know what's coming in life or that life is predictable or certain, but you find the certainty in you that you trust yourself to survive and cope and manage whatever is coming in your direction. I actually believe this is what confidence is a lot of the time. I think I come across as confident not because I have any more life skills than anyone else, but because I have a tough, strong belief that I can survive anything. And sometimes something in life happens. Sometimes it's an adulting thing and I get scared. I go into overwhelm. But then I remember I've got this. I can handle this. I've survived so much already. And even if I don't know the answer now, I'll figure out a way to handle this too. So you don't need to know all the answers about adulthood. To be honest, most adults don't. That would ruin all the fun in life if you knew all the answers now. But also, life would be so dull without an element of uncertainty. So go get that book because there's a whole chapter on it. And also, it is truly one of the best personal development books out there. Sending you so much love. In your email, it says you've been worrying about this for two years. So I suggest it's time to give yourself some peace in that brain of yours. This week's three quick tips are on how to manage a life change. Number one, if it is a conscious decision, write down a list of all the reasons why you made that decision and make the list as long as possible. Keep it as a list on your phone so that you can remind yourself because sometimes when we're grieving the loss of the old, we romanticise the past and therefore we lose sight of why we made that decision to begin with. So it's important to write this at the time or even before you make that decision so that you have that information that you can look back on to reassure yourself that you made the right decision. Number two, if it wasn't a conscious decision, then instead write yourself a list of every single opportunity that this life change gives you and how you can use these opportunities to grow and change. So let's say you've had to move countries to look after an ill parent and you are worried about the lack of friends you will have in the new country and you are worrying because you aren't good at making new friends. You are quite shy and it's all just a bit much. Reframe it in your brain as an opportunity to practice your skills and making new friends. See it as an opportunity to build new connections where they don't know the past you. So you actually don't need to be defined by the past and the fact that you would have been previously defined as shy. When I moved from school to university, I rid myself of all the labels school had given me and almost built a new identity when I arrived at university. 
To the point where people at my school messaged one of my best friends saying, who does Michelle think she is? Does she think she's cool now? Whatever opportunities your life change presents, there are opportunities in it. You just have to find them, notice them and focus on them. Number three, create certainty and security in the things you can control. You may not be able to control every single aspect of a life change, but there are always elements you can control. So again, if it's moving, you might find you have more control if you pack sooner rather than later so that you don't feel under pressure last moment. The more you focus on the things you can change, the easier it is to have some element of security and certainty, even in an uncertain time. Hi, Michelle. Um, First of all, thank you so much for your podcast and everything that you share on Instagram and your books. Um, I find you've really, really helped me and my relationship and lots and lots of things. So thank you. I, this is a bit of an odd one, really. I have, like many people, been struggling in this pesky pandemic. And what I've found is that while, yes, I'm learning a lot about myself, I'm questioning everything. I feel like the person that I know I am or knew I was, everything has changed. And that person either doesn't exist anymore or the world for that person doesn't exist. Um, The way that my role in my relationship changed because suddenly I wasn't earning. The role in my friendships changed because suddenly, um, again, a lot to the fact I wasn't working, but I wasn't able to do the things that I normally do with my friends. My work changed completely. I've ended up doing a different job. I'm self-employed, but now I have a a proper job as well. And I want to know if, if at all you can help with this. How do I kind of reconnect with who I am or how do I learn to accept that who I am is different now um I hope that really makes sense because it's something I've been struggling with for a while um and I would love to know your thoughts on yeah my little existential crisis uh thanks again lots of love Hey there, I'm actually going to start calling it a pesky pandemic as well. This has been the year for the existential crisis, if you are ever going to have one, right? This is totally understandable and hugely relatable to so many people at the moment, because when so much of the external world changes, there will inevitably be consequences on the internal. Also, so many elements of where we get our self-esteem from completely disappeared in the last year, whether that's work or our social lives, and when we lost those things that gave us all the good feelings that self-esteem gives us, it's really easy to question ourselves, and especially in your case, it seems like you've not only lost things that your self-esteem was based on, but found new things to fill in those gaps, and so it's been transitional in a number of ways. The problem with this world, I'm going to be a little bit existential here for a moment, is that the world often forces us to label ourselves. I believe it starts as early as school. Are you a shy person? Are you an outgoing person? Are you a sporty person? Are you a teacher's pet? And then because we are defined that way by parents or teachers, we then see ourselves in that image. And whenever we change, we almost have to find a new word to describe the change. So whether that's going from a shy person to a more sociable person. But what happens when we don't have the words to describe that change just yet? Well, I think that's what's happening for you right now. And I think a lot of the reason this is happening is also because of time. We all have so much more time in the last year and a half to think. And some people have used that time unproductively to poke flaws in themselves. 
But some people have used it really positively to evaluate all these things we've been told about ourselves and actually check, do I want to be that person? Do I want this to be who I am? And I genuinely think it's so healthy. It's made us kind of go, wait, I've always been told this about myself, but is it true? It doesn't feel true. And what if I don't want to be that way? And what if I can change that? It opens our world up to so many more suggestions. So my biggest suggestion to you is don't try to force your changes into words or labels. The words and being able to explain it will come eventually. Sometimes you just need the changes to settle to be able to understand them a bit more. See, the thing is, I don't think questioning everything is actually a bad thing because in life coaching, we actually want this exact state of confusion that you're in. You see, it's really hard as a life coach to work with someone who is so certain about their limiting beliefs and about who they are and the way they are and why they are that way. And even if they're wrong sometimes, it's that certainty that is the enemy of change. So as a life coach, what you actually want to do is move someone from that certain position to a position of curiosity and sometimes confusion in order to bring them to their new certain place where their new belief is and you want that new belief to be secure and certain but in between those two beliefs you need confusion. So a lot of the time you will hear a life coach say have you ever understood something without being confused first? Confusion comes before knowing things. It comes before understanding. So you are on the road to understanding yourself better and you're probably like 80% of the way there and it's just letting that confusion sit in you until it finds a resting place. Oprah talks about these aha moments, those eureka light bulb moments. But what actually comes right before it is a state of confusion and because I'm spiritual I also believe that it's the stage of life right before you elevate or upgrade or get to a new level of life. Confusion is confirmation that you are doing something new and trying something different. I would also suggest you stop defining yourself or me as a constant concept. We often hear people in therapy saying but what if I lose me or I want to be me again But me isn't this immovable, unchangeable thing. And the metaphor I have in my head of where you are at is it's like two lily pads. One leg is on one lily pad and the other leg is on the other lily pad. And the old lily pad is about to break in half. But you've got these two legs straddling these two lily pads and you want to jump to the brand new lily pad. But you're kind of a little bit scared to let go of the old one. So these two lily pads are moving apart and your legs are stretching and you're almost into the splits. Uh, but you haven't quite let go of that old lily pad to move that leg over to join the new lily pad. And you could do it now, or you could wait until you fully go into the splits. And it doesn't really matter which one you do, neither is a wrong decision. But that's where you're at the moment, you're balancing between these two lily pads. So lean into the discomfort, and as much as this probably won't give you any answers, I hope this gives you comfort in knowing you are doing everything right, and this too shall pass. In a year, you'll be looking back at this point in your life with so much understanding and it will all make sense in hindsight and why everything was happening at the time it was happening, why it was happening and at the pace it was happening. What people don't realise is that a lot of those huge light bulb moments that happen in your life, you only tend to notice they were light bulbs in the past and you notice how great a change that was once you've gone through it. So that's what I'm hoping for you. Ride the wave don't resist the change and you will I promise come out the other side I'm sending you so much love so this week the thing I am working on at the moment 
is my energy. So I'm working with someone spiritually to shift energy specifically around the heart chakra and I've been working with chakras so we have seven chakras and it's been fascinating and seriously healing. It's funny because I know I have these really good boundaries I've had for quite a few years but what I've discovered in these sessions is that a lot of the times when my boundaries were crossed when I was younger, a lot during university and with experiences with ex-boyfriends, I still held on to that in my body and you all know I'm a really big person on feeling your feelings and meditating and sitting and feeling my feelings but what's been nice is doing this with another person and because the sessions are 90 minutes long it's actually been a deeper release of emotions that I've done in years and getting rid of those emotions in my body because even though I know boundaries now the times when my boundaries were crossed in the past they were still inside of me. At one point I felt the energy release so intensely I felt pins and needles across the whole top half of my body, including my lips, which I believe is stored and repressed energy and it comes out as old trauma energy and old trauma energy does tend to feel like pins and needles when it's released. Um, and I just felt so alive afterwards, like I was carrying around all this dead weight and all of that dead weight was gone. And then in the second session the energy release more just felt like tiredness and exhaustion. So. I'm just being very curious about it all at the moment. I don't have a lot of answers. I'm just intrigued to see the impact it's going to have on my life. Um, because the first session was very focused on love life. And the second session was very much focused on career. So we'll see what session three looks like. God, I love learning so much. Genuinely, I'm such a geek for this stuff. Honestly, if I could spend my whole life on psychology courses, I would. And that's so funny because I hated um, education. But... When it's practical education and you actually get to feel things and do exercises, that's the kind of learning I absolutely love. So thank you so much for the questions this week. I absolutely love them. This podcast couldn't happen without your voice notes and without you being my guest co-hosts every week. If you'd like to be part of a future episode, then send your voice note to inallhonesty at mindsetforlife.co.uk. I am taking questions on literally any topic that you want to ask me about. The email address will also be in the show notes below if you didn't quite catch that. And you can order my book, The Joy of Being Selfish. It's all about boundaries. Or Am I Ugly? Which is all about body confidence and body image and my medical trauma. And it's a memoir. Um, you can find my TED Talk online, Have You Hated Your Body Enough Today? And you can find me on social media at Scar Not Scared on most things, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. And I will speak to you next Wednesday. I hope you have a lovely week and thank you so much for listening. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.